Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com amazing to start your springtime adventure. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here back to talk about the offense in part two of the episode. Uh, if you missed part one, had a great discussion with Brandon Croxton, who remains with me here, uh, talking about various scheme elements of the Ravens offense. And it was just an utter pleasure to talk about all of the things that went right in a game for the Ravens. Very, very little in the way of flaws from this performance. Right, exactly. Yeah, this was a great performance, a great win against a very quality opponent. And um, yeah, let's uh, talk about yeah what, what you thought about the offensive line. All right, well, uh, sounds great. We'll start, I guess, with uh, the general off the, the offensive line had no sacks and just one quarterback hit allowed. That's a great place to start. They did allow some pressures. They had three holding flags in the game, which which unfortunately knocked down some of the scores um, and. The low snap count in the game honestly meant they didn't have as much time to make up for it as they do in a normal game. So some of the scores are a little lower than than other services like PFF um, who don't weight holding calls as negatively as I do. And I think I, I have good reason for doing it. I, I think that they that they are very significant um, and, and they're a, a big, obviously, component to stall drives often are, are holding calls. Right, exactly. Yeah, I, I agree. Holding calls are just almost as bad as sacks, so mm-hmm. it's important for offensive linemen not to get called for the whole, you know, a lot of holding calls at, in any particular game. Just like you don't want them to give up sacks. So, yeah, agree. Yeah, they're trying, and and just just the same way we look at defensive linemen and any, any pass rushers, and when they draw a hold, it's a really big deal. It's a, uh, it's it's a nice option yeah. for the defense. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. So, what did you uh, what did you think about Stanley today? Oh, oh yeah, that's that's the obvious place to start, isn't it? So, Ronnie, I thought qualitatively had a really good game, and 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 there were elements that didn't weren't perfect, but he was up against Aquara uh, a fair amount of the game. Might have been both Aquaras because I think ninety five and ninety nine were lined up on that side a lot. Hutchinson occasionally was on that side, but not too much. Hutchinson was mostly on the side with Moses on that right side. 
Um, I, I thought he played pretty well overall, and he he eliminated most negative plays. He did have a quarterback hit that he allowed. I think that was to Aquara, 99. Um, uh, and hey, There's two Aquaras. So you, I, I don't even try and get them right. I'm just going to be Aquara 99 and Aquara 95 as we, as we go through this. Um, but he also missed some blocks in the game, and most of those missed blocks, in fact, three of the six missed blocks, were losses at the line of scrimmage where somebody was beating him on the play. That included one time where Lamar ran him out of a pressure. So it would have been a pressure if – if I scored pressures that way, but Lamar ran for a positive gain. And so he, he doesn't get a negative two on the play. He gets a zero, but he also gets an adjustment to his adjustment, a downwards adjustment to an adjustment I make for every lineman at the end of the game for how much above the replacement level their opponent was primarily. Uh, so anyway, that was, uh, uh, that wasn't great. And six missed blocks is, is not, terrible but for only a game with only 55 offensive snaps actually 54 it's really not that great so uh anyway it was what it was uh two blocks in level two one-on-one on pulls one pancake one highlight i bet you can guess which one that was <laughs> and uh incredible finish by the way we talked about this a little bit in the first episode but he drove that into that that defensive back into the drainage ditch behind the end zone on that play, and it's it's really it's very fortunate he did not get flagged because I think that would have been in the course of the play, and or maybe it wouldn't have been. Maybe they would have called it after the play and they would have kicked off from the from the twenty or whatever. But it would it, it could it could have been a pretty severe penalty if if he'd gotten flagged for it. It would have been very severe if it had moved the ball to fourth and sixteen from fourth and one. Right. Yeah, fortunately, I think it would, they would have called it after the, after the touchdown. So yeah. it, it would have been a kickoff or uh, extra point, whatever extra point, yeah. they decided. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, I, I I wish I had a better score for Ronnie in this game, but I think this is this is really how I would grade him. Is he he had a D, uh, including that, and, and unfortunately, there's no easy way to come back from two holding penalties in a short game. If you have two holding penalties, I mean that's that's going to drop you about two grade levels. He wasn't perfect otherwise, so he lost another grade level um, in, in the prospect. But uh, uh, even after adjustment uh, from a from a tough opponent, uh, a, a D is the is the grade I come up with. I do think that his actual play in the game qualitatively says positive things about the rest of the season. I thought he played better than he has from a qualitative standpoint. And I think a lot of people are going to be building a narrative this week about just how well Ronnie's, Ronnie played. I don't disagree with it from a qualitative standpoint. I just think the actual events actually really cost the Ravens in some significant ways, uh, particularly those holding calls. Yeah, yeah. Very good point. Yeah. How about uh, let's move on down to uh, left guard with uh, how the Simpson play. Yeah, so Simpson obviously been been having lots of problems with penalties, and uh, and this had been an ongoing, really story of his career to date, uh, and he hasn't improved it here in Baltimore. Unfortunately, uh, he's still getting penalized even more than he was in Las Vegas, even after this game. But he didn't get called for anything here. Um, he did have a hold. He clearly got away with on a play where Stanley was also called for a hold. So they were both just as guilty, and 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 he got away with one. Other than that, though, he had a very good game. One pressure the entire game was five out of five on pulls, and that's an area where he hasn't been really good. Here's the really big thing, though. He only had one missed block, and it was of the push-me-pull-you variety where he got um, pulled down by the defensive lineman opposite him, 
it was Bugs, the, the, the number 96, the big guy in the middle, um, pulled him right down. And, and he's had a big problem with that. He gets off balance, leaning forward, um, gets his hands out there, and he gets pulled down by the jersey very easily by uh, opposing defensive linemen. And this was you know, another case of that. Now, the good news is that's only one missed block in you know all those snaps, and, and that's a, a, a positive uh, finish to the game. Had three level two blocks, one pancake, one highlight. By far his best game of the season, uh, and an A for him, uh, which was honestly, if I'm reofficiating that game, I probably give him the hold holding call, and he drops about, uh, you know, maybe as far as a C plus in this game from that. But uh, but he certainly wouldn't have uh, uh, had an A anymore if if he'd uh, had that. So it was a anyway a very good game for Simpson. I, I don't want to mitigate it in any way. He had his best game of the year. He's I think in in a lot of ways this saved him. From potentially being uh, replaced by by uh, Cleveland at some point this season. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. It's it's good to see him improving throughout the season. Hopefully, it, this continues on to uh, the second half of the year. And yeah, how, how do you, how, where are you in terms of giving Cleveland a shot at left guard? Are you at a point with 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 seeing how Simpson has played that it might be reasonable to give Cleveland? rotational snaps there they've done some rotational by series in the past of course at a lot of different positions but certainly on the offensive line right yeah like i you you have to wonder what's going on at practice uh with cleveland like has he earned um has he has he been able to earn any snaps uh, through his practice? How was he practicing? Um, you know, unfortunately, last year with uh, he got in Harbaugh's doghouse, which unfortunately sometimes takes too long to get out of. Yeah, it's, it's a it's, kennel. It's very it's a it's a large building. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's it, it seems to be a prison almost, and, and you know it's very hard to get out. So um, he, uh, like, I, I think he has to. He, he has to show that he's trustworthy enough to be in there. Um, I, I think I, I would really like to see him at least in a rotational spot just because you got to know what you're going to have next year. Mm-hmm. Um, in all likelihood, Simpson will probably not be back. I mean, it's certainly possible. Like, I don't I don't think Simpson's necessarily earned a, a massive contract. So the Ravens could decide they want to bring him back on a moderate deal and um, but you, you really want to know what you have in, in Cleveland. And I mean, he, he would seem to be a lead candidate to be in a competition for either, the, either one of the guard spots. So get, get him some playing time and just let him prove, prove and show what he's got. It, it will be a really interesting year next year at, at guard. I, I fully expect Andrew Voorhees to take one of the guard spots and probably the right guard spot, just because, much higher draft pedigree, incredible weightlifting um, background in, in terms of the, the the bench press of the combine, setting the record with one leg, you know, basically. And uh, he seems to be in, in good position to take that right guard spot. I don't think Zeitler will be back because the Ravens are just there. They need to find out where they can conserve. And the whole point of picking Voorhees was to try and conserve money. But that left guard spot is is it's way up in the air. You've got Cleveland in year four. You've got, I think, the possibility of re-signing Simpson. And, you know, it's really interesting because I think there could be a lot of variation in terms of where he ends up. But it wouldn't be surprising if 
a one-year, two million dollar deal might be about the right level for him. I don't, I don't think everybody's going to be knocking down the door to sign John Simpson because I think he's, you know, he's had some of the same problems that he had in Las Vegas already with penalties, and it's serious penalties. You know, they're all holds and and you know, a personal foul one time. Um, it, it's it's been a relatively few number of false starts. He had two previous to this year among seventeen NFL penalties, thirteen. I used to know this number exactly because I, I would spout it all all the time, but I think it was two false starts, 13 holds, and two personal fouls so of 17 penalties. So um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that there's a huge market out for there for them. And, you know, frankly, when the Ravens got him, there wasn't a huge market for him because he's on the practice squad. And now that he's played a season for the Ravens, so far there's not some evidence that he's a guy everybody else needs to have. So – the question would be, does he play well enough the rest of the year in a starting role that people suddenly realize his value and say, yeah, we got to have him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And I mean, and especially when you think about next year, like if they, if they don't resign Simpson, you got Cleveland, Sala and mm-hmm. Voorhees and that's a lot and of a draft unproven. Pick, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And whatever draft pick they, they do get, but I mean, that's all I'm, you know, unproven talent right there at two mm-hmm. at two positions on your offensive yeah. line. That's not the, where you want to be uh, going into next season. But yeah, yeah, that uh, it, it really would not be ideal. Uh, Voris does seem to be the upper body um, monster that would create the torque you want at right guard to open the front gate on on run plays. Now they don't always have to run right, but most teams are right handed kind of naturally. Uh, tight end kind of more naturally lines up on the right side and whatnot. And it's, it is, it's more common to have your very powerful guard on the, on the right side and your more mobile guard on the left side who can, who can definitely run his track and whatnot. I'm not sure that, that by the way, matches Simpson's, I'm uh, sorry, um, Cleveland's description either, but, <laughs> or Simpson for that matter, but, but I'm really thinking about Cleveland. Uh, but anyway, I, I, that left guard spot, it, it may be, again, another multi-way competition between, you know, the other guy, forgotten man here, but Tayshawn Manning is sitting on their practice squad. And that guy, I believe, is one of the players they're really trying to hide for next year. They've got a couple of those on the practice squad right now that I think the Ravens like them more than other teams do. And they're trying to develop them in a way where they don't have to give them away. But Vokalek. Um, Tayshawn Manning and Lucian are three players who I, I believe are going to be Ravens next year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I guess we better move on to Linderbaum here. Yep. How about we go to yep. go to Linderbaum? All right. So took a step back against a, a, a tough interior here. Now we, we've mentioned Bugs, but they also have uh, Aylin McNeil on the inside, who's a, who's a terrific player. Aileen McNeil. I'm not sure how to pronounce his name exactly. Um, he gave up one penetration, one pressure. Those were both on consecutive plays and both to bugs. Um, he had a holding call that uh, did not stall a drive, which is the good news, but it's still a holding call, so that's going to hurt his score a lot. He had three missed blocks. One of those was a loss of the line of scrimmage. That's not too, too terrible. Um, and six level two blocks, three out of four pulls, and one nice highlight combination. So in a shorter game, that's a lot of nice mobility blocks, which is exactly what we expect from Tyler Linderbaum is him to be able to get out and run in level two, make some blocks down the field and, and uh, uh, move around as well as any lineman can in the NFL in terms of, of, uh, of getting down the field. Unfortunately, 
the the holding call and the and the two negative plays and the and the um, missed blocks um, combined to 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 add up to a D for him. Um, you got to avoid holding calls. That's all I can say. Is is they they they're minus six and they and they they're I believe them to be appropriately weighted within my system. I th- I know that PFF doesn't count them nearly as seriously. Um, they're like a minus one, I believe, on their zero to minus two, my, sorry, plus two to minus two scale, and it's just it's uh, I, I throw my arms up in in terms of waiting on that and say I, I, that that's just not how I see it. What does just out of curiosity, what does uh, PFF rate a sack given up? Um, I think I think it 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 depends on how bad or how he was beaten on the pressure, but it it can be certainly as high as minus one point five, and I think it might be on most sacks it's minus one. And so I I, I this is interesting because in London I got to beat meet Gordon McGinnis for the first time in in person. We had about two hours at the bar to to talk football, talk about what's going on at PFF, and he was kind of teaching me the game of rugby because England was playing in the in a in a big rugby game against Australia match I guess against Australia, and so I was learning some rules from him on that that was kind of fun. But he, he did talk a little bit about that, and, and this is an area where um, when you combine things within a model. You have to be very careful about weightings or you run the risk of pyramiding error. And here's what I mean. Let's say you have your run blocks. You have some type of run block that is a that is a plus 0.5 that you want to give out. But you give out that fairly frequently. And you have a, a, a negative event like a holding penalty is going to be a minus one. Well, it wouldn't take too much to see that one holding penalty is going to be a lot worse than two you know, well-positioned run blocks even though each of them might add, you know, two or three yards to a run, let's say, uh, not, they wouldn't necessarily because it's not the only thing contributing to those extra two or three yards. It's one of the things contributing. Whereas a holding flag, you are certifiably responsible for that whole ten-yard loss or acceptance of the play otherwise that can occur from that. So I think that's where a lot of the the um, pyramiding of error can occur. So I've I've had to be very careful and I've made adjustments over the time I've been had the system to try and make sure that I was getting it right. And the big change that I considered for years, but I never did, was to make penalties minus two per five yards instead of um, minus three per five yards, but then also have an additional minus two that would be tacked on if the penalty was post-snap and therefore contained an option for the defense. So an illegal downfield pass would move to minus four. A holding would still be minus six, but a personal foul would drop from minus nine to minus eight, for example. It wouldn't be a, a massive difference, but it would make me feel better and sleep better at night knowing that I had a little bit better waiting if I made that change. The problem is it, it, when I do it, and, and I, I should just go ahead and, and, and make that change, um, then some of the scores don't relativize as well to past years as they have. So, uh, you know, I think PFF is probably going through a little bit of that discussion in their own sense is that they, their scores may not relativize in the same way over the course of, of, of many years. Sure. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Yeah. How about uh, we move on to Kevin Zeitler at right guard? Sounds good. Came back is his best game of the year. Uh, one pressure is only negative event. He had two missed blocks. One of those is lost the line of scrimmage. We're already talking about one minus two and two missed blocks. That's pretty good. Um, Lamar did run him out of pressure on one of those missed blocks. So I docked his adjustment a little bit from that, but wouldn't have mattered much because he was already at an A minus level 
prior to, to 0 0.90. And and if I gave him even 0 0.01 of, of his adjustment still, and I gave him 0 0.02, um, then he was going to be in the A level. Three out of three on poles, two blocks in level two, three pancakes, one highlight combination. And all I can say is, thank goodness, Zeitler's coming around because he's had two good games now in the last three. And I was seriously concerned about him from an age and um, decline in ability standpoint. Yeah. Um, it's, it's great to see him get better, uh, as the season going, going along. Uh, yeah. He's, it, it was a worry at the beginning of the season. I saw a lot of mm -hmm. the same thing. He was, looked like he agent made it, might've caught up with him, And now he's playing like he has, uh, the last two years. And that, it's so huge to have him, uh, excelling the way he is. It helps the helps with the run game as, as well as pass protections. He's a very, very solid, uh, guard his whole career. And it, yeah. it's good to, that he's keeping that level of play up. Yeah, it, it, the difference between Zeitler being at a C minus or a D level like he was earlier this year, and being at a you know a, a B level as he's been roughly the last three games, we'll say, um, it, is that the whole right side of the offensive line now becomes a big strength because Moses has been he's been a little bit up and down this year. He had kind of a down game this week, but it wasn't terrible. Um, most of the time, Moses has been really hanging in there. And Linderbaum has been, you know, increasing, you know, as the season's gone on, although he had an off week this week. Um, so I, I, I'm really positive about the right side of the line in particular. Um, but a lot of it hinges on Zeitler continuing at this current level. Uh, you can't just, it's, it's, you know, it, it can't all be Morgan Moses carrying the right side of this line. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. How about we talk about Morgan? Okay, so he had the toughest assignment of any lineman. He he had Hutchinson most of the snaps on his side. I think he was Hutchinson was maybe fourteen snaps on Stanley's side, and the rest of them he was on the side with Moses. He had three full pressures allowed. Uh, I think it's a really a good testament to him that he didn't have any penalties or other negative events. So he didn't allow the quarterback to get hit. Um, he had a lot of help against Hutchinson. So they they lined up Ricard on that side. They they had. Running backs moving there. They had pulling guards. They had all sorts of activity to try and help with Hutchinson. Probably the biggest thing they had they had Zeitler and and for for that matter Simpson on the other side making a lot of help blocks. So they were trying to obviously as a point of emphasis in coaching this week that they were trying to process from inside out. And Brandon, am I correct? If you play some tackle or guard, where did you play on the offensive line? Uh, yeah, guard. Guard. Okay. So talk talk about processing from inside out and how you go through that on a typical pass play so on a pass play you're you're typically if you don't have anybody directly in front of guard you, bubble you're yep. yeah you're looking uh inside uh out so you always want to protect whatever whether you're on your left guard or right guard the inside the in, the inside right next to the center and then you're you, you're looking for somebody to hit um generally like if if you're if nobody's there you're you're kind of looking to hit a hit the defensive end where the where the tackle is uh hitting them or if the center's got somebody engaged with him you nudge him and just keep uh try to keep that pocket integrity so okay now let's talk actual mechanics of this so a lot of times you see in the in the NFL that the the uh, guard will have their inside hand on the center's assignment, trying to kind of pick up clues from how he's going to move as they process. And then I think the order is 
stunts and then blitzes or blitzes then stunts and either way works but you've got two pot- two potential ways that people can, can be coming from off ball or on ball to to loop around into a gap that you need to then patrol and then and then you've got the help block is kind of your last concern but if it's too far down the list you're too late to help on that block you're too late to be of any help right right yeah yeah so mm-hmm and the one last question I want to ask you about this, this is very interesting. Actually, talking to linemen is, is great about this. When you try and help block, did you try and deliver kind of a painful help block? Did you try to automatically go to the midsection of the player? Or did you try and push him and maybe try for a pancake and go up higher on him? What was your what was your modus operandi there? Um, I would always try to get the ribs, ribs. get a nice, nice shot right in the ribs. <laughs> is it, is it, is it, were you, is it something where at the high school level or, or even in the MEAC that, that you could get away with a good, um, punch to the ribs as you were moving over? Or is it something that, that you didn't really want to take that chance, particularly at the high school level? Yeah, no, it's, it's not really a punch, but a, a, a very good shove. Yeah, just yeah. a little nudge. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, you know, you, you start with the, you, you know, the helmet and, and your arms inside and then okay. know, shove, shove all the, uh, all together. But yeah. All right. Very good. So mm-hmm. you, you see, a, you see running backs do that when they go for the midsection on a chip block, they throw their whole weight in there. They they're really using their shoulder pads generally to rib the guy. They're not using their arms. They're not, they're not right. going with their hands. Right. Exactly. Yep. Now, did you spend any time at defensive end or you pretty much always defensive tackle such that you had to face a number of chip blocks on the outside? Um, I, I didn't face that many chip blocks on the outside, but yeah, like um, it, it, it would be it, it would mostly be like if I was able to get by the tackle fast enough, then I'm taking on a, a running back. But okay. yeah, yeah, I didn't get chipped that much. Right. Chipping is the worst. Well, the center the center hitting you is the worst. Uh, me as a defensive lineman, I I have very low opinions of centers. I I call okay. them they're nothing but they're nothing but cheap shot artists. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Okay, so to a defensive tackle, every center is a yeah. cheap shot. I mean, yeah. Now I'm going to use yes. that. You've jargonized it for me. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. what does a center do? They look left, they look right, and then they hit somebody in the ribs that's not looking. Right? <laughs> the least protected guy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Make it look like you're making up, like you have work. And you're, you're... Right. All right. That's great. That's, that's really some great inside football there. Um, so anyway, uh, we talked about we we we, we talked about him giving up some pressures here, three pressures in the game, but no other negative events. Eight missed blocks for Moses. Now a lot of those were losses at the line of scrimmage. So Hutchinson really had his way with him in terms of getting push and in terms of his spin move beating him. He didn't really have an answer for that. Um, Lamar ran him out of pressures twice. Now Hutchinson's one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. I would have given him the full possible adjustment in this case, but I took about two-thirds of that away um, because Lamar ran him out of those two pressures. So uh, otherwise, it's still, I, I think the way he stood up to Hutchinson, I'm still, I'd be very proud of that game if I were Morgan Moses. And yet it just, he didn't, he didn't really have an answer for a lot of what he was, what he's bringing three level, two blocks, four pancakes. That's a lot for one football game, by the way, four pancakes. Uh, six mm-hmm. out of seven on poles. He did have two freebies as a trailer. Moses almost never gets a free point 
as the trailer on a counterplay. So if he's if if there's a two man pull going to either side, the trailing player does not have the block as long as none is presented to him and he doesn't miss one. So as long as he runs his track properly and oh, there's no one here to block, then he gets a point for that because the the you know the the, the first guy almost always has an opportunity, but the second guy doesn't always have an opportunity. But Moses almost always finds someone. And for him to get two freebies in a single game is 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 I will call it unusual. He's he's probably only had, you know, two other free points in the last you know ten games or so. I I I think so. Anyway, all put together, C minus after adjustment for Moses. Uh, uh, you know, worst things have happened. The fact that the that Hutchinson never did uh, knock the quarterback down in this game is a is certainly a big positive. Um, and uh, he had some pressures, but. Lamar obviously did a did a really good job working with that. Yeah, yeah. He did have one particular block that I really like. He uh pulled to the left and it was on um a run by Gus and he uh got around the corner and I think it was the linebacker that was coming in and he really cleaned his clock and it sprung Gus for about I think an 8 or 9 yard gain on the left side um early in the game. So it was yeah, yeah. It was, that was one of the things I liked. Yeah, I didn't I didn't actually put this in here, but on his um on Gus's touchdown, which is a run right for two with unbalanced right line. This is the one we talked about earlier where um he's actually on the inside of the formation and likely is is uh outside of him and then Stanley's outside of likely. Um Mm -hmm. he pulled on that play, had a level two pancake block in the end zone, basically, that completely cleared the lane there for for Gus to get in without uh, much of the contact it was on it was on the linebacker fifty five. That's not Anzalone and it's not Campbell, but I don't remember what his name is. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's the other guy. We'll call him. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Uh, talk about the other three guys real quickly. Cleveland had one snap as the sixth offensive lineman. He had three others at left guard on that last series. He made all four of his blocks. One of them in level two. Fa'alele came in to play the last series at right tackle and made all three of his blocks. And McCary made two out of three on the final series uh, at, at center. McCary's first action at center, I think, in a while. Now, that's not – let's see. Yeah, right. Mustafer went in to play when Linderbaum got hurt, right? I guess McCary might have got some time in that game because I'm not 100% sure Mustafer was active. That's right. Back I, about yeah, it. I don't think, yeah, yeah, I don't think he was active all for right. the game. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, offensive line, I think, you know, qualitatively again, really happy. Harbaugh really praised the offensive line scoring wise. It was a little bit mixed. Um, so, you know, didn't have great games for Linderbaum, Stanley, or even Moses did have good games from both guards. Uh, overall, I thought though, you know, they got the job done generally speaking, but even more so Lamar got the job done when pressure arrived and he either ran out of it for positive yards or, or he threw out of it for unbelievable yards. Right. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. All right. Well, how about we move on and talk about the, the skill position players then? Um, start us off with one you, you had some thoughts about. Sure. Let's uh, like to talk about Pat Ricard. It was like, again, I love a big man rumbling down the field. Um, he had a say goodbye your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress 
to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durban Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall Credit Card Bill. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You know, like you said, the second longest uh, play by a 300-pound uh, player in in NFL history. So, I mean, very big play, um, and he's just a solid force. Um, his run blocking and, you know, being able to recognize that blitz and uh, leak out and get out, get out there in the wide open field, it was a nice play, and he's – just a solid player every week. Yeah, been been real excited. They're using him on a lot more routes. We kind of talked about that in the first episode. I'd encourage people to go back and and download that if you haven't listened to it. Uh, lots of interesting stuff in there. But but Ricard's varied usage this year has been one of the kind of the stamps that Monken has put on the offense. Not afraid to have him go down the field a little bit. It's not 100% flat routes. Um, it's not what we saw even in the Titans game in the playoffs in 2020 when they were having trouble jumpstarting the offense, but getting Ricard out of the flat, they used three times on one drive to move right down the field and score uh, was, 
you know, they, they just found a way other than point of attack play to make use of him. But he, he in, in the, in the entire Roman era, he did not run much in the way of longer routes. I think he might've run a couple of wheel routes the entire time Roman was here. You remember a couple of wheel routes over the years? Yeah, maybe one or two. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's very rare though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but still still providing everything the Ravens need out of him as a blocker. I think it would be – we almost have to talk about him with the offensive line in this game because he had a huge responsibility as a set-and-chip blocker um, in this game, primarily as a set blocker. Uh, and a lot of it was against Hutchinson. So they gave they gave Moses a lot of extra help on that side, and he, he was responsible. You know, I don't know how much we can go by this, but Hutchinson clearly wants no part of him. As a guy who only has to put in occasional effort as a blocker, meaning he's not on the field every play and he's always kind of fresh to to go against a player like Hutchinson. Hutchinson didn't want any part of him. And it almost looked like if you put Ricard in there at tackle because you had to, that he might even be able to do that job. Uh, Now, I know that's not true, but it's just it's 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 great to think that after you watch him play against a top pass rusher like that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. How about you? All right, let's let's talk about Nelson Aguilar, who only had one catch the entire game, but that was a beauty, and it's a big trust throw from Lamar that Aguilar is still working to get open on that touchdown pass after nine seconds, and really, really nice to see him work to find space, and it didn't even look like it had to be a lot. He was, it seemed like he was getting more depth than he was um, with towards the left side again, which I think probably was appropriate because, you know, you don't, Lamar doesn't want to throw back against the grain any more than he has to. He probably would prefer to put it towards the back of the end zone where it's a, my guy or no guy kind of a pass. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it was looking, looking at that play, um, Lamar focused on Aguilar, I think for the last three or four seconds um, and Aguilar just kept working and working and, finally was able to break away at the last second and Lamar got, got it to him. You, you, you love your receivers working that long on any particular play just to keep working and moving to find an area, to find some space for your, for your quarterback to make a play. And it's like, it's a special feature of Lamar that when he breaks the pocket, He's still looking. He's not look necessarily looking to run. He still breaks that pocket to yeah. find somebody open down the field, and that receiver. If you if and find that open space, and that's exactly what Aguilar did for the big touchdown. Yeah, great, yeah. Uh, great individual play. Who's your next guy? Yeah, um, want to talk about Rashad Bateman? Um, it was good to see him. Had made a really nice uh, catch on third down, not only getting open, but <clears throat> pass was a little bit behind him, and he was able to reach back and make a very nice snag to to catch it. Um, and then he also had, I think, the very next play, he had another fifteen uh, yard gain. Um, on a nice pass and it's good to see him back in the offense and he's so important uh, down the line for the rest of the season and into next year of um, developing that trust and just keep making plays and it's 
yeah, it's it's exciting to see him out there. Yeah, one one of the things we talked about a little bit is that you know, bust or no bust is not a binary thing for Bateman. You don't have to categorize him in one or the other. I mean, he's going to be whatever receiver he can be now for the Baltimore Ravens at this point. And the Ravens hopefully will get real value. And, you know, I still look at him and say he's the only true X receiver on this team. A great route runner. You want to get him in, in space where a corner can make a big mistake against him. He can make a big play. Even, even an opposing the opposing team's best cornerback can still make a bad play at the top of the route with what Bateman is throwing off in terms of wiggle at, at the top of the route. So he's, he's still a very dangerous weapon, and, and I hope that they are able to uh, uh, get the most they can out of him. I think we are probably past the point where it is likely that he'll be back for his fifth-year option, but you never know for sure if, if things immediately turned around now. Obviously, that, that would be a possibility. Um, and, uh, and regardless, they just need to get whatever they can out of Bateman over the course of these next uh, 27 games or so, plus whatever playoffs they're in. Um, and, and, and hopefully, you know, that's as good as it can be. But it doesn't really provide value to talk about Bateman as a bust or not. It just, it's, it's not valuable to do that. What's, what's important to do is how can Bateman help the Ravens for the remainder of his 27 games here? Not how, how do we, you know, drag this guy through the mud and try and figure out why he's useless or try and make a, you try to make the other argument that he's been great, which is very difficult to make, frankly, at this point. Um, it's, you know, it's what's important is where's he going from here? Right, exactly. Yeah, like I, I agree that he's probably not going to get that fifth year option, but um, he can still be a, a big part of the offense these next uh, year and a half. And hopefully uh, down the line, maybe maybe even if he does, they don't pick up the fifth year, that doesn't mean that they won't extend him after next year. So, yeah, yeah. just we want to see him healthy out there producing and making plays and just keep getting better as the year goes on. Yeah, that that and that could well be a an interesting counter in there. Could you sign him for 3 years 21 million or something after the season ends because you still like him as a receiver and you still think he could be good. It's just been injuries have kind of made it impossible for you to pay that 50-year option money. And maybe there's a maybe there's a mid-range deal or maybe there's a one-year deal that that he gets signed to at the end of 4 years. So either way it's a it's it's all about you know him. I, I just I just love the fact that he was reintegrated into the offense, and I thought um, he did some good things with trust early in the game. I did think that he did not track the ball well on his incompletion, but at least he got two you know good length catches on his first two plays. That you know why I think it was thirty six yards he got. So you know twelve yards per target in this game is more than you can hope for realistically from a receiver. And, and uh, he's been a good yards per target guy in the past. And so, you know, hopefully this is something that, that he can return to and be that X that the Ravens really need. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about um, uh, Edwards here for a second. Obviously ran the ball fairly effectively. Um, At times he was really good at times. uh, He was just too darn much for the lions in terms of running over people had a two-yard touchdown run, which was um, – that was well-blocked all the way across the line. So it wasn't just Edwards doing that, but uh, cut into his his yards per carry statistics very slightly to have a two-yard run there. But he also broke free and, and had some nice breakaway yards in this game where uh, he 
made a missed, had two force tackles missed in the second level um, that were nice and uh, and had a uh, I think he had the twenty yard run that immediately preceded Hill's twenty seven yard run, uh, but I might be wrong about about who had which um, on that series. But it was nice to see the the Ravens put together several good runs in a row. Yeah, um, Gus is a very strong runner. Like you aren't going to bring him down with an arm tackle, or you really have to put your helmet in and wrap up with him. And when he gets that, when he gets a full head of steam and he gets to that second level without being touched, that's when he can easily break a fifteen or twenty yard run. Um, also, on that big eighty yard pass, I think uh, he made an excellent adjustment um, to get out in the flat. Uh, past the blitzers and get it get in a nice little space for Lamar to uh, find him and just uh, make that big play because yeah it's it, it it was a great uh, read by Lamar and you know them him handling the blitz has you know been a trouble spot and the way he handled it uh, on Sunday was just a thing of beauty. Uh, handle handle the blitz as a receiver or handle the blitz as a blocker. You're saying? Uh, I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I meant Lamar hand how he how oh, he has it. handled the blitz in the past. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, I thought Edwards had had some. It would be funny if it weren't not funny. <laughs> he had some really bad miss blocks in this game. Uh, had a complete whiff on a on an attempted cut block, unfortunately. Uh, but let's stick with the positive here because hey, this is a this is this is a happy time here. Uh, we don't want to be completely floating in the clouds off after a win like this. But the, he, I thought he ran well. But the, but even more importantly, what you said about making space behind the defense, I thought was absolutely critical. I think we hit on this earlier in the first part of the show, if I recall correctly. Um, that it, he really kind of channeled his inner Mark Andrews to find a spot where no one was and it just had the trust that Lamar wouldn't be trying to throw the ball where, where he was prior and getting behind those, those two defenders and having two linemen chasing him essentially down the field was a thing of beauty. It was a lot of fun to watch that horse race. Um, mm-hmm. And it took a lot of time for that safety to get across the field. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, how about we go to uh, Odell? Um, sure. Yeah. He, uh, I think he is a really solid, uh, you know, third to fourth fourth option for this team. Um, can be shorthanded. Is unfortunately he didn't do his creative draw penalty uh, like he has <laughs> earlier in the season <laughs> with, with the the pass interference and and the illegal contact and and the the flop he had in London. But um, he, uh, you know, just a Solid, solid route runner, solid hands, um, just a, a, a real nice veteran presence on the team um, that has a lot of young receivers. So good to see and yeah. make some plays. I, I did not actually see what happened, but one of the other what it, it kind of looked like this to, to me on tape after somebody else suggested this might have happened. But when Simmons was down on the ground in London, I think he stepped on his hand. And I, I, you know, you as a defensive lineman, you you do not want your hands stepped on, do you, by any anybody? No, <laughs> no. Like I, I guess that's that's how you know. Apparently, that's how he react. Uh, 
what caused it was him stepping on his hand. I couldn't tell exactly, but he did get really close to Simmons while he was getting up. Yeah. Um, and he's he got in the face because he he thought Simmons hit Zay late. But yeah, um, yeah, it was it was nice to yeah that he drew that penalty uh, with the flop. So yeah. It's a veteran move, but it certainly adds to the entire mystique of who Odell Beckham is. That he's already kind of an anti-hero and a and a you know a, kind of fits the, the the diva mold of wide receivers in in a lot of ways. But then he he pulls this crap, <laughs> and the rest of the league just hates him like nobody's business. And and you know now what's been you know the pull down play, the 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 pass interference on the cutoff in week one, and and th- I mean it's really been three penalties. Um, and he had another DPI that was just a, a fairly legitimate DPI, but three penalties he's drawn this year, which has been just veteran move after veteran move. Yeah. I, I like that about him. I'm less thrilled about who he is as a receiver. And in fact, on a day where Lamar is throwing for, you know, whatever it was per pass, 13 yards or, or so per every time he drops back and Beckham has seven yards of target. That's, less exciting so yeah i think he had seven targets for 49 in this game if i recall one of the things that held beckham back was he was terrible after the catch and i had some space after the catch on one or two throws but he had other ones where he didn't have space and he made negative yak out of it mm-hmm. anyway uh still hopeful he can be a help for the Ravens, but I think their best bet is if he's not the primary. And, you know, you're talking about him being the fourth or fifth receiving option. That's perfect. You know, you have one tight end and three receivers you like better. That's kind of the ideal situation. Right. Yeah, exactly. We probably can't get by this without talking about Zay Flowers, who had a, a, another terrific game. He's uh, at a historic level in terms of utilization for a rookie receiver. Uh, we saw that, I think, 50 yards in his first seven games. He's only the second receiver ever to do that since the – in the Super Bowl era, I think it is, or maybe since the merger. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but remarkable in, in in either case. It's as uh, um, quite a start. And, it, you know, it's almost like we're taking for granted now what he's bringing to the table as a receiver, but expecting him never to get shut out, which is probably true. He's probably going to have a very hard time getting shut out with all the gadgetry they use him on. But still, it's it's uh, remarkable that he's been able to pile up yards the way he has. Yeah, he, it's exciting to see uh, Ravens finally hitting on a on a receiver like this is exciting, uh, exciting for the franchise, exciting for fans. Um, and he's an exciting player. And what I really, you know, just would love to see is just him getting in that second level more and get, getting passes there uh, and having him use that agility and his ability to break tackles uh, and make people miss in that second level for long, long gains. And yeah, he's teams are definitely aware of his, of his speed. They fear his speed and his ability to get in that second level and get some open spaces is going to be huge for some big plays. All right, outstanding. I'm I'm kind of ready to tap out in terms of skill position players. We do have a mailbag to go through. I want to talk MVPs with you. If you don't have your MVP yeah. list, make one up three, two, one if you can, and we'll go through that process. But if you if you're good, we'll unless there's another player you want to talk about, we'll jump into the mailbag questions. Yeah, let's go to mailbag. All right. So Zach 
Serpa Weinberg. I hope I have that correct. It's not Kerpa Weinberg, but we'll, we'll, we'll just do it that. Or Z Weinberg 18 um, says, by my very unofficial calculation, the Ravens are fifth in number of plays gaining 20 plus yards, yet one of only two teams with zero TDs of 20 plus yards, the Falcons being the other. Is there something about their system that leads to non-TD big plays, or is this just a fun, small sample size quirk? That's a great question. I can't think of any reason why having more long plays wouldn't also correlate pretty well with having more touchdowns. And I, it's not necessarily a cause and effect thing, but I, I would I'm very surprised by that combination of fifth in number of plays and zero TDs uh, accruing from them. I think I, my my tendency is say quirk of small sample size. Um, but I wouldn't rule it out. What do you think? Is there any, any, yeah, I think it's a, it, it's kind of a quirk of small sample size. Um, the, if, if you're breaking, uh, long runs or long, uh, passes generally, you know, you might only have one person to beat. And for whatever reason that one person has been able to get the person down, but I the, I think the big thing he said uh, they're fifth in big plays. That's where you want to be. You yep. want to be at the top of the league at, at big plays. So you can handle. You know, I'll, I'll take a first and goal from from the four any day, even yeah. if they don't necessarily score on a long play. <laughs> yeah, they've been good. They've been good in goal to go situations. So that's that's nice to see. But it's a very very interesting statistic. Thanks for sending us that. Uh, uh, we got another one. Minion Hunter here, a regular listener of the show. One of the really loyal, loyal listeners. By the way, I don't do enough of thanking people who listen to the show regularly because uh, it it really uh, is terrific that you guys do that. Um, You you guys have an unbelievable collective memory of calling me on uh, stuff I've said and saying, well, this isn't consistent with this. Um, Or, or, you know, that, that you remember some specific comment I've made about how I score things or, or, or whatever. You're an incredible group here. I'm getting older now, and I, I, I'm going to make some more mistakes, I'm afraid. But I really appreciate the loyalty you guys have. And I, I know the, 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 uh, uh, the, you guys are, are just you're – we're what keeps this show going anyway is the, is the fact that people are still listening. But Minion Hunter asked the question, can you please talk about the decision to take the ball to start? Did they get the wind in their favor or not at the end of the game? It didn't seem to matter in the end unless attacking first was the key to success, but it was interesting on such a blustery day. So Harbaugh addressed this in the post-game press conference and was asked exactly that question is, why did you, why did you take the ball first? So the idea is that if you defer, then you get the choice to take the ball or pick the direction in the second half. So by not deferring, by taking the ball first, they put the Lions in the position where they either had to take the ball first in the second half or get the wind in their favor in the final quarter. As it turned out, you know, it didn't really matter at that point because the score was already 28 nothing right at halftime. I think that's right. Right. Yep. So uh, I, 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 it was an interesting choice. It was a windy day. Um the Harbaugh's explanation makes sense uh, from that perspective. And one of the things about high wind games is they take away a lot of the value from Justin Tucker. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So, yeah. Unfortunate. Yeah. Good. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. We'll talk about the MVPs. Uh, uh, go down three, two, one, if you like. Who's your number three guy? Okay. Uh, my number three was uh, Gus Edwards. Had a terrific game. Scored a touchdown. Um, had a lot of tough yards early in the game and started to break some longer runs later. And of course, uh, a big 80 yard, uh, uh, reception. And, um, you know, when, whenever your running back, gets almost 150 total yards. That's a, that's a great game. So, uh, kudos to Gus and great game. Yeah. Would, would I just, I'm loving the notion of seeing even more of that in terms of what he can do to create space on a late leak out play, because there will be some opportunities this year that play, they kind of moved the pocket effectively. Didn't they, they, they had extra protectors in and they slid the pocket to the right as a mechanism to, to get away from some of the Lions pass rush. And that ended up being a, a, an opportunity for a, uh, for a very nice play as it turned out. So I, I, there, there have been, receivers in Ravens history and even running backs and, and fullbacks who've been good at that Ray Rice, of course, but even players like Ovi Mahaley is a guy I remember as being a guy who could find space fairly effectively on a catch um, and really had a great stretch run in the 2006 season. Uh, Edwards, if he can become that kind of guy, I think it's uh, uh, it would really be special, a special additional dimension to his game. He's also my number three guy, by the way. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, number, number two, um, I had Mark Andrews who was typical pro bowl tight end Mark Andrews. It was such a threat, um, had, uh, really nice, uh, on his first touchdown, really nice, uh, way to get to the edge and get in the end zone, reaching for the, reaching for the pylon, um, had some, had the other big catch on the, uh, I guess it was probably a, a fake quarterback sweep uh, rollout. And then he leaked into the backfield and almost scored. Uh, and, and then he got down to like the two or three yard line mm-hmm. and um, another nice catch in the end zone for a second touchdown. I mean, he's heck of a heck of a tight end. And this is, uh, you know, he's definitely one of the top five tight ends in the league. And this game just shows you why. We are two for two on matching up here, and I'm not even sure I have that much to add to what he did. Andrews is doing some nice things as a blocker to help out in the run game, um, but his main use, obviously, is as a receiver. The Ravens, I thought, in this game did a pretty good job of rotating through their receivers, which is something we didn't talk about during during the show. But uh, nobody among the receiving core had more than 44 snaps, I think it was, for Flowers. I might even be wrong mm-hmm. about that, but yeah, 44 for Andrews, 43 for Flowers out of 60. So nobody's playing every snap. The Ravens are pretty much rotating in some fresh legs. I think that's worked out very well. And I, I, I think back to Andrews and his first couple of years, and particularly in 2019, when he had a very high percentage of targets when he was in the game. So uh, when he was in, he's almost like a designated receiver, and that actually kind of drove James Hurst out of out of town. Uh, was one that he just wasn't getting the football enough for his liking um, in, in that 2019 season. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep, Hayden Hurst, I think you you may. Hey, I'm sorry, what did I say? James Hurst. James Hurst. Yes. Oh yeah, <laughs> we had other ways to drive James Hurst out of town, but that's part of that getting old thing I was talking about, making more mistakes. Sure. Yeah. And now absolutely. nobody has to correct it in Twitter tomorrow. That's good. 
<laughs> there you go. Yeah. And, uh, well, I think pretty obvious uh, who the number one is, and that's uh, Lamar Jackson. Absolutely incredible game. Um, when when he's when he's on like this, there's there's very few quarterbacks that are better. Um, Patrick Mahomes, I think, is the only quarterback I would take above him. It's just excellent, such a threat um, as a runner, and just manipulates the defense so well. And when he can manipulate and and capitalize on that manipulation like he did uh, against the, the Lions, it's 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 almost an unstoppable defense. It's all offense, excuse me. And uh, yeah, he was just in the zone, and hopefully this is just the beginning of uh, you know, of a of a great run by offense by the offense, and uh, continue that. Uh, they're they're just. Uh, just continue to be consistent, you know, throughout the year and put up some points and win a lot of games. Yeah, definitely. Uh, also, my number one guy, what we talked about in the first episode a little bit uh, is worth going back to listen to potentially, but his performance under pressure is one of the most extreme statistics I've ever seen in covering the NFL for a number of years. Um, he's uh, 22.4 yards per play under pressure so 10 plays under pressure 224 passing yards uh, i've just never i can't remember any other statistic that was any more extreme than that and and to give you a kind of a, a, a rough number i'd say 4.0 yards per play when you're under pressure is good um that's what you know you know i used to hope for about that from joe flacco didn't always work out that well the ravens have held some teams in uh, to negative yards under pressure this year already so really great game from lamar it's just it's it's going to be one of the vintage lamar games i'm sure it's been the when lamar's career is over and we want to you know show our children how great lamar was it's going to be this game the game against the Colts in 2021, the game against LA in 2019, and the game against Miami in the, for the opener in 2019, uh, we're going to show them. In addition, hopefully, to some Super Bowl in the future. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but this was a great one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean the highlight of him just moving around and keeping that play alive for for 9.3 seconds. It, yeah. Hopefully, that's that's the highlight right there. So yeah, absolutely. That, that was very special. Uh, Brandon, just an absolute pleasure always to, to talk football with you. Tell folks where they can talk football with you online. Sure. I'm on uh, Twitter at Brandon Croxton five. Um, love to talk Ravens, love to talk football and uh, looking forward to hopefully a take care of business game against the Cardinals this Sunday. There you go. That's I think we're all hoping for that as eight and a half point favorites that they don't lose uh, focus here and, and make this more difficult than it ought to be against the Arizona Cardinals. It's an NFL game, so they can't take it lightly, but they uh, they need to really go in there and whoop some ass, I'm, in, in my opinion. Right. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up. DMs are always open on Twitter. I want to hear from you. I'll get back to you very quickly. We'll decide if there's a kernel for a show. Again, keep the topic kind of small, and it has the best chance to to, to be made into something that that uh, is useful and can get an audience, a, a new audience, brought into uh, a film study that might otherwise be discouraged by these longer episodes like Brandon and I have just recorded here, which are a lot of fun for us anyway. But not everybody wants to listen to a full hour on football or they don't know that they want to listen to a full hour on football until they hear 
one of these already that's shorter. So I know how I choose videos uh, on the Ukraine. I tend to tend to not look at 45 minute videos. I tend to want to hear, you know, a six minute times radio update instead. So I am I'm conscious of, you know, what we're doing in, in terms of extending episodes can be uh, a little bit off putting to people. And I, and I hope we can uh, we can make them shorter. But in any case, Brandon, thanks again for joining me for a great afternoon of talking about football. Yeah, absolutely. Love talking. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.